number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a CAM bus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I mean, I'm going to put a plug in because I think we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telford, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Hey, what's up, hello everybody? Welcome to In the Room. Kind of a combination of like In the Room and Matt Talk Online. Um, at least my side of things is from the Des Moines Register. Uh, Matt Talk Online is its own podcast beast. Uh, Cody Goodwin here, sports writer for the Des Moines Register, the wrestling writer with the Des Moines Register. Here with Jason Bryant again. This is a regular thing now that we're doing. Um, it's a scary thing to consider too that both of us have this much time to spend this much time with one another. That's I. I mean, what else would we be doing, right? Well, I mean, you really don't want to know what goes on in this speakeasy with the, the the weird statistical mind that goes that I have. It's just it's I mean, I'm about to whip out a, an amateur wrestling news here from uh, 1980, January 14th, 1980, a whole. Uh, let's see, 17 days before my wife was born. So strange. <laughs> That's dude. 1980 was five years before my parents were married. So. Okay. The young guy and and the the yeah. the old guy. We be old, you know. <laughs> well, I'm um, old. I'm I'm getting there, I think. So um, what, what you've got here too before we start, we're out on Facebook, we're out on YouTube, or I think we're on the Twitters and the LinkedIn's. But if you're on uh, Twitch, you're a couple different places. When we do this live, I'll have the stream chat up. Uh, there you see it there. If you're also on the Discord, which you can jump in at discord.com. Actually, it's matttalkonline.com slash Discord and the hashtag Speakeasy Live channel. Yes, I'm finally getting to utilize this stuff. So we're going to have some live interaction for those uh, who are going on things. Obviously, we got Jagger in there. He just, it's his birthday today, as a matter of fact. So uh, wow, he's 45. Birthday, Jeez, you know, his, his jean shorts don't look a day over 70. So I see what you did there. Dad jokes. Anyway, so there we go. So thank you, uh, Ian Jagger, for uh, for help, helping us out with at least one comment, two comments in our live stream. So this is where Cody gets to drive because this is his show, but it is on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. So hence the visualization of the logoage here on our uh, on our on our live stream. Yeah, we've got a. We're experimenting with a lot of different things. You and me, obviously, doing a podcast together going to attempt to do it live every now and again, if not, you know, more often than not. Um, so I guess, you know, driving the bus here, we're just going to kind of see what happens um, today. Just, you know, with the world team trials coming up this weekend, figured we could probably lead with that. Just kind of how we feel about the process, how we feel about the weights coming up, which weights are you going to pay closest attention to? And then second half of the show, we can circle back on just Kind of a list of things like we've been doing the last couple of weeks, just rustling stuff that piqued our interest. Do we have thoughts on it? Um, what do we think about certain things? But yeah, we can start with the World Team Trials this weekend in Colorado Springs. The second part of USA Wrestling's World Team Trials, Senior World Team Trials process. Um, the winners of the weights that will be contested this weekend will go to Final X, June 10th in New Jersey. Um, handful of Final X matchups are already set after the US Open. How do we feel about this process, man? They changed it up a little bit from previous years, um, more or less kind of streamlined it right with U.S. Open champs, no matter the weight, guaranteed a spot in Final X. But, uh, you know, with a handful of weights not earning medals at the World Championships, there's a few other spots that still need to be decided. All the Greco spots, handful of women's freestyle and men's freestyle as well. 
Do we have any initial thoughts on this process? Is it too early to tell? How do we feel? Well, you'd have to look at this process as a process of a process of a process. And I think it goes back to probably, I want to say probably 2004. And then into the uh, the metal blanks that we had prior to that, the the Burroughs era, as we're going to title it, ushering into where we've had this this great run of metals. So uh, back in the day, I believe 04 was when we were talking about, you know, Kerry McCoy, uh, great wrestler, obviously, in his own right, world silver medalist, uh, you know, one of the best NCAA wrestling heavyweights of, I guess, the last 30 years. I guess if we're talking yet, yeah, it's definitely 30 at this point. He's not getting that old yet. But the 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 Stephen Neal, Kerry McCoy thing is what stands out to me is you've got, you know, Stephen, Stephen Neal was a world champion and then didn't make the Olympic team. So it's like one of those things like, are you training to beat one person? Or are you training or do you want to put the best team with medals on the podium. So that is always like the, the, the battle you have wrestling. you you want to beat the guy ahead of you. And then, you know, you worry about the rest of it, but sometimes you want to put people that are out there that are proven to win medals. So the, the situation with giving a medalist the right to sit out, it kind of hurts on the marketing side of things on the, the first tier of the process, like the U S open and what we now have is the challenge tournament. But in the same point, it does kind of streamline, you know, a year in advance, okay, well, I'm not going to book a ticket to the U.S. Open expecting Jordan Burroughs to wrestle because I know he's not going to wrestle because he won a medal. So there's that part of it. Now, then there's the topic of this challenge tournament, which I think when we were the, the problem was at the Extreme Arenas, there were, it was like a piece of the puzzle. There was no finality to it. Last year, I think that was one of the complaints. And this year, it's at Discovery Canyon High School. And before you scoff at Discovery, it being hosted at a high school, this high school is pretty badass. I've been there when I lived in Colorado Springs. It's on the north side of the city. It's one of those super technical. Uh, it's very purple. I think they're the Thunder, if I if I recall correctly. And I think they had some wrestlers go D one. Uh, kid from uh, Kid Turner, I think his name. Which Turner was it? Uh, there was a, a Turner kid that went went to Wyoming and ended up finishing up in Nebraska, Carney. But it's a good facility, and it's not Sam Turner. A huge Sam Turner. That's it. I know if I gave you enough details, you'd help me fill in the gap here. But uh, so th- this kind of is more of a streaming event. This part of it because. You know, people are going to show up and there's going to be people like they don't make the team. They're probably going to be forfeiting out. So backside could be empty, except for those that are really trying to make that top three national team. So uh, the process is what it is. I think we've gotten used to it. I think having final X in one spot this year um, is one of those things that's probably going to help. Granted, it's going to be a long day, but we're going to break it up into segments. I've worked the events at the Prudential Center with Dylan Wanagale, who used to be at Madison Square Garden, who was um, instrumental in helping get the NCAAs there and bring uh, the the grapple at the Garden there, and then now the Garden State Grapple, which I've announced the last couple of years. It's a great facility, and Beat the Streets is going to tie into it again. So uh, this year's event, I think, is cool. We're going to have that. But again, this challenge tournament being part of the puzzle, yeah, it does seem kind of confusing, but it's not it's not as confusing as well. Why does this guy have to wrestle all through this when he's the returning medal? I mean, I think it helps us put a better product on the mat. It may not be the easiest. Then again, we're wrestling. We don't do things simple ever. So this is kind of par for the course for us. The only thing that, uh, that is simple is the fact that we wore the same flipping winner's win type of shirts today <laughs> on wrestling shirt a day in May. He's got the Grandview version. I've got the, I went with the alphabetical. It's either H for Hager's happy hour or I for IA Russell. 
uh, and uh, the the hat assist to the Co College Cohawks. Co with a C, Cohawks with a K. So I wanted to get that in there before we got too into the World Team Trials. But process now that it's been advertised enough, there really shouldn't be that much of a difficulty in following it unless you're coming in from the college world you don't pay attention to anything on the mat.com uh, ever until you know oh that's this weekend how does it happen so I, I think it's fine and i like we've got that finality when the u.s open you're in final x unless you're a medalist it's it's not that simple but it's not that difficult either no and i like the fact that they put a lot of the incentive on the u.s open this year right like that's when the u.s open you go to final x no matter what, you know, whether there's already somebody there waiting, like 79, for example, with JB, handful of other weights, or 61, for example, if you win, like Vito did, you're the first guy there. And then, you know, they obviously got to navigate the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament to figure out who he's going to face. Um, I liked it. Um, just from a fan perspective, the US Open was, I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago, we thought, you know, jokingly, but not quite jokingly, that it was probably the best US Open we've seen in quite some time, uh, both in terms of the talent on the mat but then also just fan attendance and people following along because they understood the stakes. I liked it. Um, you know, is this, is, is this weekend kind of a, a weird second step? Yes, but it is an important second step. Um, you know, the world team, tri I think the biggest thing I think people had an issue with when it came to last year's world team trials challenge tournament was that nobody was there to watch it. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons for that, right? Like you put it in Coralville, which is they do a wonderful job at Extreme Arena. You know, Josh Schomburger, Luke Eustis, those guys hosting wrestling events, high level wrestling events. Um, Coralville's not a very easy city to get to because um, you either got to go in through the Quad Cities, you got to go in through Cedar Rapids, costs a little extra because those aren't big airports. On top of that, there wasn't really, you know, I think Cassiope may have been at the World Team Trials Challenge last year. I think David Carr made an appearance, but just not a lot of local Iowa ties, um, which plays into why Iowa City Coralville area is a huge, um, you know, wrestling hotbed when it comes to fans. Um, but then on top of that, like I know that like a lot of locals, like Iowa natives who would have come out to watch, like that was the same weekend, I believe, as the state track meet. Um a lot of grad parties, a lot of graduations at the high school level and stuff, I'm pretty sure as well. Just the perfect storm for literally nobody to show up and be there in the stands. So, you know, you'd move that to a place like Colorado Springs where a little bit more central location, a little bit easier to get to probably. Um, make it a four streaming event and just kind of get through that to get to Final X, which I think is, you know, the U.S. Open was great, but obviously everybody wants to pay attention to Final X either there in person or, um, you know, like I'll be watching via stream to see how the world team is decides, um, you know, because it's the weird part about, you know, last year's World Team Trials Challenge Tournament, too, at least like from my perspective is like, you know, OK, Felicity Taylor won the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament, for example. But she didn't win anything, you know what I mean? Like she like it's like you won it. Congrats. Um, now you got to go to another event and win that and then you win something. Right. Like it's, you know, like I guess you earned a spot on the national team, but that's, you know, not really conducive when it comes to, you know, writing a story that you want people to read. So um, <laughs> a lot, a lot of different angles about what they did with this year's world team trials process. I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm still a wrestling nerd, so I'm still very, very excited for this weekend's competition, even if it may not draw as many eyeballs as the U.S. Open. Yeah. And again, one time, one thing we have to combat is those of us who are in the trenches with this and we're on, we're in the, the, the message boards, the Twitter verse, the discords, the everywhere wrestling the talk happens. 
the Facebook groups, uh, you know, the, the, the Facebook page. I mean, there's just wherever there's there's content, the Instagram comments, for, for goodness sake. Uh, we got to remember, we're, we're, we're so embedded in this. We want everybody to show up to watch our sport. But sometimes we know that there's events that aren't going to draw. And this is one where I'm curious to see what the Discovery Canyon um, site or something like this works, because we've we've had junior trials at the training center. We've had them at Palmer High School, which um, is one of the oldest high schools in the state of Colorado. At one point, it was the only high school in Colorado Springs. I think Lanny Bryant from Wrestling USA Magazine went there. I mean, and he wrestled in the 60s at Northern Colorado. So there is some there's some old schools this place has been. But uh, so I'm curious that you don't need a big walkout type of stuff. You need a couple of mats. You need a stream. That high school, as far as I know, has really, really good technology. So streaming shouldn't be an issue. Now, if it is an issue, duck and cover internet comments uh, and flow sports. But, you know, that's, you know, it's par for the course because we're going to, we're going to want to watch it. And then there, you know, hey, you're not going to go watch this. If you weren't, if it wasn't 15 minutes from your house, you weren't going to go watch it. So let's get over the fact that we need this part of the thing to really be a spectator event. It needs to be spectator friendly. Yeah, I'm not saying no fans like uh, we had, you know, in the COVID area, the cards. I think the All Star had limited fans in Austin, but not that. I'm saying we've got a site, we got a place. Most of the people that are interested in this aren't going to travel to see the the next step event. So. I'm curious on if this is going to be the format that works. It also could open the door to put up, hey, here's a smaller little venue. Let's put it up in Denver. Let's let's go down to Phoenix. Let's go someplace that's, uh, you know, a relatively decent connection or drive for the athletes, for those that have to go. The one concern I did have is with the athletes being so close to, uh, you know, close to their last competition. Senior level athletes don't make weight nearly as much as we do at the college and high school level. So, uh, and with those weight classes being what they are and the jostling for the Olympic weight classes in, in, in those cases, it's like some people are making tough cuts down to their Olympic weights because this is a qualifying year at the World Championship. So it's a big year to make the team. Then you have the, the you know your own destiny in your hands to qualify the weight. So uh, that making weight so close to the U.S. Open, that's something that I'm wondering, you know, the Seth Grosses of the world, you know, I mean, granted, he's, you know, what, you know. The, you know, Dayton fix is a you know a little more comfortable at sixty one than it would be cutting down to fifty seven. But I'm curious about those type of athletes. How close to making weight from one to the next? I realize fixed didn't wrestle U.S. Open, but I think you understand my point here. Yeah, well, and then you know, on on top of that, you know, that's if if so. Let's use sixty one for example. If you know Gross or DeSanto or somebody, you know, whoever emerges and gets to final X, that is you know weighing at the end of April. Three weeks later, weighing again. Three weeks later, weighing again. Um, yeah, I'd be kind of curious to see how that impacts them. Cause like you mentioned, senior level athletes don't usually wrestle that often, at least in succession like that. Um, the other thing too, and maybe this kind of gets into the whole, you know, where we wanted to go from here in terms of what weights are you most curious about or most excited to watch? Um, it's a quick turnaround from the U S open. So like, you know, Austin DeSanto had a fantastic run, you know, tech fall over Joe Cologne, five, four over Seth Gross. I know Vito caught him in a leg lace and that was the end of that, but like a tremendous run at the U S open. How does he, you know, how, how does, you know, how does he rebound? He's going to be the one seat at 61 kilos, um, you know, or how does a Seth gross or, you know, a Joe Cologne or Dayton fix or some of these other guys, you know, Hey, like you, you saw how he wrestles. Now he's clearly figured out this freestyle thing. What are you going to do against him now in a couple of weeks when you got to beat him again? Um, one more quick point on the process before we kind of move into what weights we're curious about watching. Um, not so in previous years, world team trials, I believe the finals best of three in order to get to final X this year, just one match and done. Yay. Nay. 
I'm good with it. I mean, you, you put somebody that's already gone through the grind. I mean, it's that many extra match. I mean, really, I need to win. You already need to win six matches to make. You know, if you're not a, a medalist, you already need to win at least six matches to to win the spot. So, making it nine, I'm just using six as an arbitrary number in this case, but two to three more. I, you know, you won the tournament, you won those matches to win that. I, I think that's tough enough. I think you earn the right to that best of three one time. Yeah, I'm sure I generally don't disagree. Um, you know, I'm sure some people will. That also adds the and- confusion too. a well, best of three. Oh, and then you go to another best of three. Just the finals is best of three. That's keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with that. Although I know for a fact because of all the various places that people can put their wrestling comments and sound off on their opinions and whatnot, somebody's favorite wrestler is going to fall into a lace or fall into a trap arm gut, and they're going to be like, well, why don't we do it again? Um, I know it's coming. You want NCAA wrestling to be this? (laughs) (laughs) Going to happen. That was, was, yeah. uh, If people think that, you know, we should jump to freestyle. um, That's another show. I'm just warning you that that, I'm ready for those comments, too. I love you, Internet Wrestling, but... That's going to happen. They've been happening. They've been happening. Um, three weights in men's freestyle are going to be contested. I believe, what, another five in women's freestyle? Four? Three? I can't count. Um, three. And then all ten, obviously, in Greco. Um, four in women's freestyle he's holding up? Yeah. 55, 59, 68, and 76. By the way, I got the mat.com to yes. come up during our break. So uh, I was complaining earlier to Cody that uh, the, the browser was not um, – playing nice before we started. So, you know, first live show. Let's just have technical difficulty with, oh, I don't know the website that is the lifeblood of this particular series. Well, now we can we can yell at Richard Immel if, if there's an issue with the Matt Doc. I got another. Well, I don't have. A, I, I, actually, I, I, do I have a reason to yell at Richard? Immel? I helped him move and pack up his stuff this weekend because he's heading uh, to Colorado Springs as the uh, as the the next in line behind Gary Abbott. And I helped. Uh, him move while my wife watched their daughter. So my two daughters were getting to babysit uh, with their young daughter, and uh, it was cool. And then out here in the speakeasy, we shot some darts, cracked open a uh, a two and a half year old bottle of uh, barrel aged stout from Bent Brewstillery. Here it was cellaring it. It wasn't just sitting out. No, I had it in the fridge, color. So it was uh, you know, tap that one open, and uh, it was good to go. So yeah, I'm going to blame Richard for a couple things. This might not be highest on that list right yet. <laughs> Glad to see the websites are working. Three men's freestyle, four women's freestyle, all 10 Greco weight. It's going to be contested this weekend. Um, start with men's freestyle. I feel like the easy answer is all three because all three of them have different levels of intrigue. But which weight are you most curious about slash most excited to watch this weekend? Of those three, you know, it's DeSanto has been appointment viewing for various reasons through his entire, you know, basically since his vision quest to beat Spencer in high school. So, you know, his quick first period tech falls at Drexel, his transfer to Iowa, uh, the, you know, the Kimura gate, whatever you want to call like, You know, Austin DeSanto's exciting style of wrestling and his, you know, his unpredictability. You, you know, it's like he's appointment viewing. So uh, he's you're going to watch him when he wrestles, whether you like him or not. So uh, Dayton Fix also has a little bit of a, uh, uh, lore or air, air to him about you know he can he can be the, the the villain sometimes with you know kind of slowing things down or he can he can get that quick trap arm and end a match quickly and then you know Seth Gross the guy that that made the semis at the World Championships I mean those top three and 
you know, uh, you know, it's easy to look at the seeds and say those are the three, but I think there's really cool storylines with any of the, that tr- that triangle of matches. And you know, this talented guys, Nashawn Garrett, you know, never had a chance to to win that world medal, got hurt, and then Joe Colon wins the medal in his stead. So, you know, Tomasello's been a guy that's been there. He's been there. He's been there. He's been there. He's beaten all these guys. It's like you know, it you know, historically, I'm not saying specifically he's beaten these guys, but. You know, those top three, I'm, I'm curious on what that's going to look like. You know, again, to your point about, you know, getting laced up, are we going to see, are we an Aiden Valencia upset away from having, well, wait, this is the finals of the challenge tournament kind of thing, or or at 92? That's also one intriguing because I'm curious where, where handsome Nate Jackson, to borrow the blood round phrase, is going to be because I think he's the best guy in the weight. The question is, can he, can he prove it? Can he get on that world team? I mean, he's taking a match from Jaden Cox of Final X before. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, you want to see the big cram doubles, not the crunk doubles. One time I, I put my foot in my mouth and went crunk. He's like, he said crunk. No, it's cram. So big cram double from handsome Nate Jackson. And then, of course, heavyweights. You know, we've got a great crop of athletic mobile heavyweights. So, yes, the political answer is all three weights, but I think that there's storylines within each. And I'm just curious. on I, Tanner Sloan. Now, let's get the Iowa angle in there. You know, Al Burnett represent like. He's he's a past medalist. This is a, at the age group level, so he's gonna be a problem for matchup wise because he doesn't have a whole lot of looks with these guys. So uh, that's he's the guy I probably am paying the most attention to, and he can hit up with handsome Nate Jackson early. So de- depending on how the brackets fall, if somebody pulls out or whatnot. So uh, yeah, all three are you want to watch for, and I'm just those matchups and those particular individuals are who I'm looking for. Yeah, no, I 92 is super intriguing with Zahid bumping up, with Tanner Sloan joining the party, um, all sorts of interesting. Heavyweight, I think, is interesting because it kind of showcases the depth of a little bit, but I think what we've seen the last few years is that there's kind of, I don't know, Mason Paris kind of showed that he was that dude this year in college wrestling. Um, you know, so I'm kind of curious to see, you know, if him and Hendrickson meet in the semis, which is where they're supposed to meet, if that's, you know, the seeds hold ultimately, um, you know, can how, where does Tony Cassiope stack up against Mason Paris? He had a Russell, he wrestled him a really, really close match this year in the duel. And then in the NCAA semifinals, it was not close whatsoever. Um, so what's that look like? Um, can the ageless wonder that is Dom Bradley make another run? Um, because he just always seems to be in the mix there. Man, you um, people your age always say anything in your thirties is old, man. Come on. Gee, like Dom I mean, he Dahmer's not that old. I mean, it was a I think it was a junior world champion, like I want to say two thousand ten or something like that. But uh yeah, e- easy on the age stuff, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, like he's well into his coaching career and still just coming out every year and finding some magic at the US Open and coming out and still wrestling. Um, I love it. Um, no hockey because, boards at Discovery Canyon High School, though. So those the, the boards are safe. Hockey boards are safe. No, no Iowa Heartlanders. Two minutes for boarding here. I do want to point out to remember, you know, Americans, we tend to have this watching freestyle with folk style eyes is kind of how I describe it. It's like, why are you what you're watching a match? And well, that's not too. Well, don't watch it like folk style. It's a different style of wrestling. So when you consider it's a different style of wrestling, the depth of this weight class that you alluded to, but we got multiple time world medalist Gwizdowski, junior world champ, Paris, junior world champ, Bradley, U 23 world medalist walls. You, you know, U 23 as uh, a juniors or U 23 with Cassiope. I think it was U 23 world champ. Two time at U 23, yeah, two time medalist, the yeah. medalist. So you've got, Age group medals in this style, so this is not like oh they were they were good and now they're the NCA. Throw your NCA credentials out the way. These guys know how to wrestle 
this style of wrestling. So uh, Demetrius Thomas, uh, you know, a lot of people may have like, what? Yeah, he was at Pitt, but he was also an NAI national champion, NAI finalist at Williams Baptist. Shout out Kerry Regner during his time there. So want to throw the NAI love before he transferred to D1. Uh, Big Meech, not a whole lot of freestyle background, but a guy that, uh, you know, as he gets better and gets better, he could be a tough out. Although, I mean, that guy's, if I say that guy's a tough out and I'm like, uh, Wyatt Hendricks, <laughs> it's like there's, these guys are so flipping good. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, I love all three of these weights. I'm excited to see kind of how they all unfold. Um, obviously the local ties are what I will be paying close attention to, but also, I don't know, man, like that's <laughs> this, this, and these guys like have to win this weekend to get to final X. Like that is how deep. Um, USA wrestling is at some of these weights. Um, it was very apparent at the US Open, and it's going to be even more apparent at these three men's freestyle weights as well. Women's freestyle, four weights, um, like you mentioned 55, 59, 68, and 76. Um, I feel like 76 is the weight to watch, but I feel like we can make a case for virtually every other weight as well. What do you I'm going to veto that one. 76 is. Whoa. Head and shoulders, depth wise, talent wise, above the other three weights. And again, I'm not doing saying that to throw shade at the way. It's just depth wise, it is. I mean, you've got some good athletes. So you get a world champ, Jakar Winchester. You've got you know an experienced Lauren Mason at one two at that weight. But then we also look Maya Nelson. Okay, junior world champ Jen Page been right there. You know, on the cusp of making world teams, and she's got a junior world medal. Um, Alex Glaude been there a while. Emma Bruntel, you know. Still waiting for her to break through to make that first team. Always been scrappy. But then Adeline Gray, Yelena McElroy, Diamond Gill, Kylie Walker. I mean, then Precious Bell was in Final X a couple years ago. She's the six. Uh, you know, so I just, it's, there's there's a clear line of the depth of the weight. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be any less competitive, but the depth of the weight at 76 is is head and shoulders. Now, the question is, 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 is another month enough for Adeline to get her form back? Because, you know, making the finals before she got beat by Kennedy Blades, she still looked, you know, a little rusty. I mean, she was she got taken down early by uh, Sydney Kimber. Of course, we know about the Diamond Guilford match, but is another month enough for her to get her? I don't, I don't think it's a head thing with her in this case. I think it's just her, you know, physically being able to compete again at where she's used to. So I think that's the key to watch there. How does she match up? I mean, she's not going to be on the side of the bracket with Guilford this time, so. She gonna see Kylie Welker early. I mean, Tristan Kelly is a Colorado kid who's a tough out as well. Big, strong, young, hungry wrestler. So, um, and then you know, Mako had Guilford. That was a you know that was <laughs> a wacky one last time. You know, and you know, Welker I think is the uh, an X Factor Welker in, in Gray. That that one I've got real interest in seeing just based on their styles of wrestling. Yeah, well, and rematch of the Olympic trials finals, right? Um, so, and that's, you know, the other interesting thing too is like Adeline Gray just being able to do what she did at the US Open and coming back for more after giving birth to twins. Um, you know, not quite in the same vein, but Kylie Welker back wrestling consistently again after, you know, injuries had kind of put her on the sideline for a little while. She wrestled a little bit during her redshirt year with Iowa women, but not a ton. Um, you know, I think she got, a trio of matches in at the soldier salute before she had the injury default out of her last match, just kind of a funky step with her knee. Um, but then she looked good at U twenties um, up and down a little bit at the U S open, which is to be expected. Um, so really curious to kind of see where she's at. One of those matches at um, the soldier salute. Um, well, I think she wrestled the same 
I think, yeah, I think it was just like a three person round robin and everybody just wrestled each other twice um, just to try and get matches. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious to see where she's at, um, you know, stacked weight, really excited to kind of see how it unfolds. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to give the other weights the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's head and shoulders 76. But like you mentioned, like there's, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these unfold. I mean, you know, 59, for example, Maya Nelson, Jen Page was just literally in the U.S. Open Finals at 62, um, you know, was up 8-4 at the break, if I remember correctly. And then Adugo Nwachiku came back and just stormed through and beat her. Chikara Winchester, past world champ, um, you know, how is that going to, how is she going to look at 55? Alicia Houck is is waiting in final X. Um yeah, there's just there's a lot to like about these women's weights. Um, you know, they're going to be fun to watch. I'm just, but the, be great. to me, the yeah. question was the depth and where you know is one better than the other. I think depth wise, 76, and then yes, they're going to be exciting weight classes. That's that is not going to be disputed. I do, although I do think this could be opportunity for you know for an Amanda Martinez to really kind of break through at this senior level thing. So uh, that's that's somebody who I'm looking at at 55. I'm like, okay. I'm wait. I'm I'm curious about her in this in that weight more than anybody else. And if I look at 59 to say, hmm, what's going to go here? Lexi Bastian made Final X last year, you know, and it was a situation to at Texas Wesleyan where you know the coach had left, or uh, I won't say left is a is a, a definitely the wrong way to put it. Uh, you know <laughs> that that situation uh, wasn't wasn't great, and so uh, Abby Netty made made the world team last year. So it's it's deep-ish, but it's unproven consistently. So, I mean, even Maya Nelson, after, you know, she won a junior world title in Finland, I want to say, was it 17? Was it six years ago? Is that long ago? So, I mean, she's coming off, coming back, and I'm waiting for her to regain her form. She was in Final X, you know, a couple years ago. So, they're on the cusp of those senior teams, and they've been to those tournaments as training partners and stuff. So, uh, again, this is an opportunity to, to, you know, okay, to know what it's like to win a tournament again. Then go into final X and okay, I can reset myself. So uh, these these four weights are going to be fun to watch. They're going to be fun to watch. Now, um, how dominant anybody is, is remains to be seen. Yeah, no, I think that the, the the way these tournaments unfold could go a long way in shaping how we feel about the final X matchups. Um, because obviously the the women who are waiting at final X, Kennedy Blades at seventy six, for Forrest Molinari at sixty eight, Michaela Beck at fifty nine, Alicia Hauk at fifty five. Um, Obviously, they're very, very good. Otherwise, they wouldn't already be in Final X. Greco, all 10 weights are being contested. Um, Timmy Hands, do your Greco preview. That's what we need because <laughs> that's what it's going to take uh, to assess this. I'm going to just jump right in. I think I think 77 probably is the one I'm circling. Just be, again, the you want to talk about old, okay? I am older than Alexander Kikinov, okay? He looks older than me, but he is in much better shape. But looking at that weight class, you've behind him, Jesse Porter won the Olympic trials. Rayvon Perkins has been on age group and senior level world team. So, yeah, the 4-5 with the right to face Kikinov in the semifinals is is one that I have uh, interesting. Of course, I, I always uh, point to some of the guys from that place in Norfolk. Tim Young, the number three, he was in final X last year. He Apparently, he's joined the Army WCAP. Uh, it was an Ellsworth kid, uh, junior college, and then went to that place in Norfolk. He's the three behind uh, Bronigal and Stefanowitz. So uh, 87 has some interest to me personally because uh, every time I get to to not say that school in Norfolk, um, me and Brian Hazard, his son wrestled there, and I went seven years there. So uh, Stetson Bennett didn't invent the super senior. I made it cool before it wasn't cool. Uh, 
Yeah, so I'm, 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 you know, I got a, you know, personal vested interest in, in what I, th- I hope Tim Young can do there at 87. Of course, then again, we talked about Marsteller uh, last episode in terms of you know John and Stefanowitz and his brother. Of course, there's an Olympic story right there. So, uh, not saying I don't like any of those other guys, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind calling Tim Young's name again. Yeah, I, I 77 was one of the weights that I had written down. Um, also wrote down 82, just mostly name recognition. Ben Provisor, Andrew Barriessa there at the top. Kendrick Sanders there in the mix at the five. Um, but I also really like 67. Um, again, probably name recognition, but just some real fun opportunity for some stories. Jesse Filkey back in the mix of things with Army WCAP Alejandro Sancho after getting upset by Joel Adams at the U.S. Open. Joel Adams also in this weight here as well, cadet world champ. Um, from nearby Omaha, or at least outside Omaha, um, just looks like a fun weight. Um, and then the winner gets RP3 at Final X, um, who looked fantastic at the U.S. Open. He actually ended up winning the weight where Joel Adams kind of blew the weight up after beating Sancho. Just a fun weight. Um, really excited to just kind of see what happens. Um, you know, I, you could probably use that excuse for every single Greco weight, but um, I don't know. Name recognition obviously helping me pick which weights I plan on watching closest, but. Um, I'm excited to see these guys compete again. It was fun to watch them at the U.S. Open. And I know not a ton of people follow a lot of Greco stuff, um, but I think I've finally come around to – there's a handful of people in Iowa that are starting to come around to watching a little bit more Greco, and it helps when there's guys who are kind of local. I know Joel Adams isn't an Iowa kid, but you know, obviously from being nearby um, in Nebraska, people are paying a little bit of attention. Um, but then also Ben Provisor being at Grandview. There's a lot of Grandview guys that routinely go to these high-level Greco competitions. Um, he's had a lot to do with that. Um, so that's been kind of fun. And, you know, I think other people are kind of slowly, if not, they're not going to sit and watch all of these matches, but they're at least going to pay attention to the results and, you know, maybe go catch the replay if something fun happens. Yeah, it's a lot of wrestling now is look at bracket, see score that interests you, click play. So. Um, also, uh, and I can't, I can't not leave, uh, leave out Pat Smith, uh, this Pat Smith, not, not the Oklahoma state Pat Smith, but, uh, Pat Smitty <laughs> from right up here in Minnesota. So, uh, you know, good musician, by the way, too. There we go. Uh, uh, another, another, uh, proud Chaskin. If that, if Chaskin's a thing from Chaska, Minnesota, Andy B six, the other one that you've heard of. There you go. Um, Saturday, Sunday is when the competition takes place. Greco. All day Saturday, then men's and women's freestyle all day Sunday. They will both wrap up day of. Any final thoughts? World Team Trials Challenge Tournament to basically decide the final X matchups coming up. A lot of purple. Discovery Canyon Thunder. That's all I got. No, I, that's, I've, I've exhausted <laughs> my knowledge of the one time I went to a dual meet at Discovery Canyon High School in 2012 when I lived in Colorado Springs. So... What's our what's next on our agenda? We got the um, the India drama. This is part of my uh, my newsletter, and this is something that. Um, and when I say India drama, I, I mean actual wrestling drama in the Indian Wrestling Federation, the WFI, the Wrestling Federation of India. If you get my daily newsletter, which you can sign up for at mantelonline.com slash news, there are a number of just stories. This one usually there's always some drama with Indian wrestling, whether. Uh, I mean, Sushil Kumar is, I mean, he was an Olympic medalist and world champ that, uh, you know, he allegedly was involved in offing somebody or involved in somebody died and he was around. So that was a big blow up a couple, uh, probably two years ago at this point. And then there, you know, he was involved in was, was he, was the doping for Narsingh Yadav who won the the spot to qualify in, in 15, but 
uh, Kumar wanted to wrestle off without actually wrestling off, and it was it's drama follows the WFI and then the you know the their their pro wrestling league over there had some people not get paid, and it it's it is it is a soap opera of the highest level and it's in a, a a country with over a billion people and wrestling gets a lot of headlines there their big papers cover it big parts of the of the country that have you know the, the haryana and such where where the wrestlers come from but now there's this sexual assault uh a sexual harassment charge rather against their president their federation president i and he's got 15 different names so at, at risk of not saying a name in wrestling correctly as a pa announcer i'll just say he's the guy uh, cause I could practice it, but I really don't feel like it right now. Yeah. There's article. The wrestlers are protesting and sitting in and it's just story after story after story. It's like Indian wrestling's own me too movement. It is nuts. And it's, Dude, just, and it's been going on for months. Yes. Too. Like that's like this started in January. They paused it for a little while because it looked like the, the, the Indian government promised to create some sort of committee to look into it. And then they resumed in April and they haven't been stopping. And there, dude, there's some heavy hitters here, like Olympic medalist, world champs, Bajrang's there. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on here. What what more do you know? You know, it, and it's hard to really kind of weed through the Indian media. And part of that is because a lot of the news sources are all there. Some of them will there'll be like 15 news stories generated from one source. So you have to weed through well, okay, is this just a reposting website? And so sometimes you have to, you, you end up trusting the same ones, but uh, I, I don't really know where we're at because it seems like the story changes hourly because depending on what you read, but um, the the wrestlers want this guy out. Uh, and then there's the, the sports fans. Now, the Indian sports fan, oh, wrestling Twitter is just a drop in the bucket compared to like, when when Indian sports fans get onto something, duck and cover. I think uh, Eric Olanowski's brother Christian was doing some social media at the Worlds one year and put the wrong flag. He put I think the Iranian flag and I mean emoji. It's this big instead of the uh, the Indian flag. They lost their flipping minds. And I came to his defense saying, "Hey, you know, it, it just you know I in or I you know and it's a, you know just fat fingered it or something." I said something like that, and then all of a sudden that became fat journalist racist. I'm like. Good night. The kid, I mean, it, and then come to find out Christian's colorblind. So he couldn't see the difference in the dot color and like the flag at that big. So it's like, and it was just, well, then their fans are piling on saying, oh, the wrestlers just don't want to compete to, for their spot for the Olympics. They don't want to be given the total deflection from the, the sexual harassment thing. I mean, it is just a powder keg of absolute, this can't be real life, but it is Indian wrestling and it is, it has been, uh, you know, I don't know if I actually have the brain power to process it all because it is just so crazy. I'm based on what I've gathered, it's it's a big enough issue that they had to move the Asian Championships last month. Um, they were originally supposed to be in New Delhi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. They moved them to um, Kazakhstan. Um, so that I mean, big enough to have to move a pretty big international event. Um, you know, it looks like as of last week. Um, five officials were suspending for expressing support of the protest. So government workers, I'm yeah, assuming, are you know, getting in on this. Like there's, you know, it sounds like they're, they're, they want an arrest of the accused um, by next week um, or else who knows what will happen. I mean, they are, they're standing firm here and I'm, you know, based on what I've read, it sounds like they've got pretty good reason to, you know, this is, this is some serious stuff. 
Yeah, and, if you want to keep up good. to date on it all, uh, again, I'm I'm paying attention to it. I mean, I'm I mean, I don't have a separate Google alert for it because it just clouds up the Olympic wrestling feed that I save to to throw in there because there's 20 to 25 different links to read almost every three to four hours because the, you know, the news cycle over there is just let's post it and go. And that you can get sometimes get into some dangerous stuff there in terms of like, what is legit journalism and, you know, website that looks, I mean, it's so that some of that stuff is, is trying to, to call the herd of, of what you're actually, what I'm actually putting in the newsletter. So there may or may not be a, 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 a bum link in there once upon a time, but little grace on that one. Cause that's just a lot of, it's hard to sift through. Cause it's, it's wild. I couldn't imagine something like that happening here. I mean, if it, it's just, you know, yikes. Yeah. Um, you know, here's hoping that they come to a speedy resolution that is thumbs up for everybody. But I mean, hey, as big as not just wrestling, but like, you know, like I read something the other day that, you know, Disney Plus lost a ton of subscribers because they decided to drop cricket. And a lot of that comes from, you know, India and they love their sp- you know, they love their cricket for one, but they also love their sports. And so to see these heavy hitters in the wrestling world, throw their weight and throw their influence into a protest like this, Mm -hmm. like obviously it's very, very serious. So, um, you know, here's hoping that there is some sort of speedy resolution, um, or at least, you know, some clarity, at least for us on this side of the pond so that we can continue to follow it because this is, you know, sexual harassment in the sport of wrestling, um, obviously a pretty heady thing. So want to keep a, uh, want to keep an eye on that story. Um, a couple of things we didn't get to previously in previous shows, coaching hires, portal moves, um, figured we could kind of all of this into, um, you know, kind of a way, way, way too early look at the 23, 24 season. Um, coaching hires, Roger Kish goes from North Dakota state to OU in his stead. Obi Blanc gets the job at North Dakota state. Um, pretty cool, right? Like pretty cool for both parties. Roger Kish going to OU, which is, it seems like it's just a tough place to win, but he has proven to be able to be a program builder at North Dakota state. Um, where now Obi Blanc gets his opportunity to be a head coach. Um, any initial thoughts on, on those two coaching moves or each either one separately? I think it's pretty cool. Both of them. Sooner boosters need to be patient. That's the thing. Like they need to be patient. Roger built, North Dakota State and North Dakota State was a powerhouse division two program. They were winning national championships under Bucky Mon. Great tradition, hard nosed type of wrestler goes to far. I mean, you've got to be hard nosed in general just to go to school in Fargo in the wintertime. I mean, my my niece just finished up her freshman year there. I'm still one, but she's from north of Duluth, so they've got the hard nosed built in there anyway. Um, it's good, and you know, Roger had success there, but in ranked programs, but you know, they weren't contending for trophies but again taking the guys that the the power fives missed out on or getting that diamond in the rough and signing them early or or developing talent you know finding guys like steven monk you know to hit the podium and you know it's not just like okay you got one guy that's hitting multiple times they've they've had multiple wrestlers hit it you know yeah jared frank was pretty pretty good recruit but at the same point uh you know your your blue 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 chip your top five guys aren't typically looking at fargo unless they're trying to win a, a stop sign. They're not looking to go to Fargo for their college wrestling, and, and that's what they need to be patient with is Roger can build, but he's going to need time. And it's, you know, you're, you're going from Spates to, to Cody to, you know, to Roselli, and then there's the, you know, there's the, the wear and the lighteners that were in the room, and then what's going to happen now. I mean, there's a lot of questionable information that came out of that coaching search. 
or you know who was offered the job, who turned it down, who was just checking it in to get get bumps in their own salary, who really said, "Hmm, I like no, I'm not touching this." So anything with these these coaching hires, uh, you you really get a very small sliver of what actually happens in the hiring process. And you know, was Roger like the twelfth pick, or was he the third pick, like, or was he the first pick? Who knows? But he's it's going to take time to rebuild a program. But I, I just didn't think that. Cody and Roselli had, you know, I think with Mark Cody, I think it was a, a cultural sla- a clash in terms of how he runs a program. He runs a, a program that basically is devoid of, you know, of partying and, and a lot of socializing. Um, Louis was a, wired a little differently in terms. I remember talking, he's like, he didn't read uh, the media. He wasn't, you know, paying attention to some things that a lot of coaches are now. So uh, nobody can question what Lou Roselli knows about wrestling and his, his ability to coach. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sure what goes on in Norman. And that's not, I didn't tug Richard's ear about this either, but I just, from the outside looking in, it's like, you got to give Roger time to build. If you want results that you expect Roger to get, you give a mid-major program coach that's done well with limited resources, uh, comparatively speaking, you've got to give them time to adjust to that because, you know, they're used to doing a lot more things hands-on and now they have a lot more resources. They have to adapt to having that excess that they've had to work and scrap for before. It goes both ways. It's like, you know, having a, the, the high-dollar coach that goes to the small school and is like, oh, this is how the other half lives and builds from there, you know, like, you know, was it Calipari, wherever he went and or, you know, or is it Patino? I'm not sure which one went where. Uh, was it Patino that went to Iona? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the one going to small and then going back big again. Whereas going from small to big, you're like, you know, we they they did that with Cody going from American to OU and then big to big with you know Ohio State to OU. Now they're going back to a mid major, uh, but a state school, something that was a little more, I guess, more in line with OU versus American, which is completely different from Oklahoma. So, got to give Roger time to build. That's yeah. my takeaway from the Oklahoma hiring of Roger Kish. I have two thoughts on this. I mean, one, it obviously drew my attention because there's a little bit of a mini pipeline with Iowa high schoolers going to North Dakota State. Um, you know, Spencer Mooberry from Osage has been up there for the last few years, 97 pounder. Um, more recently, they've picked up a couple of commitments from Max Majena, who uh, three-time state champ here in the state of Iowa, as well as Koufax Christensen from Waukee Northwest, um, two-time state champ. Um, sounds like Max is going to stay with North Dakota state. I know he wanted to go to trade school up there. So, um, that was something that really piqued his interest about North Dakota state as a whole. Koufax, uh, might poke around a little bit. Um, but I know as of right now, he's still, um, you know, very public in his commitment to North Dakota state. So we'll kind of see what happens. That obviously piqued my interest. I reached out to both guys just to be like, Hey, like Kish going to OU, you know, does that do anything? Obviously with recruiting being kind of a 24 seven thing now, um, just wanted to make sure I dotted my eyes across my T's. Second thought, more of a question. I'm kind of curious what you think about this. I don't really know that I have an answer, but why has it been so hard for OU to build not like a winner winner, but just some a, a program that's like consistently competent because it just seems like they're up and down all the time. They always show up at Big 12s and then two weeks later at the NCAA championships, not always as great. They have really strong dual moments, and then they'll have other seasons where it's just kind of like meh. Like what? What has been the issue? I really don't know, and I think I, w- I have the same questions. Um, now, from what I know about the, my friends in Oklahoma, explain that like OU is the brand in Oklahoma, and 
the brand and this is this this being non-revenue or I hate the term non-revenue but being fans of of less popular sports like college hockey and college wrestling uh we want those sports to get the billing like oh yeah well we're here we got titles and ultimately those who are buying the tickets and tailgating on Saturdays don't care about us and though you know that's that's what sucks about being a college wrestling fan is oh yeah it, it's it's cool to have tradition and popularity in pockets but wrestling doesn't move the needle uh in the state of Oklahoma at for OU alums like it does in Stillwater and of course a lot I think there is that you know that the civil war with the you know house divided kind of thing but you know bedlam wrestling clearly is more important to Oklahoma State alumni than it is OU alumni. I think that may have something to do with the perception of who cares in Norman. That's the one. It's not questions like who cares, but it's like who actually does care about Oklahoma. Does do the the how many people that are coming to the football games on Saturday? How many of them actually care? And then you'll see that with the arguments like, oh yeah, who cares about wrestling and golf national titles when Oklahoma State's got a ton of them? That's you know that's where they're they're a big part of their national titles are from, and they always like throw it away. Like, dude, you've got seven national titles or something like that in Norman. So like, why are you going to discredit your own just to, you know, it's like, I don't, your title, your 34 titles are, are, are meaningless. Oh yeah. Well, so are our seven, but you're trying to downplay yours just so you can downplay everybody else in the whole sport. So that's a bit annoying looking at it based on what I've heard from friends who are both uh, Sooners and Cowboys. It's just like, it doesn't seem like Sooner wrestling has moved the needle because I, you know, John Smith was so freaking popular and, and, you know, had all the, all, you know, all the old, Cowboys back in the days of the Aggies. I mean, the Aggie Sooner battle, the Stan Abel, Tommy Chesbro, all those you know modern Roderick eras were were fun to be in Bedlam. But uh, Stillwater's always drawn better. So, yeah, I mean, similar thing up here in Iowa, right? Like Iowa City is you know people read about the Hawkeyes, um, not as much about the Cyclones, and then again, not as much about the Panthers. And that's been something I've I had. Mean, I you know I've had. There's oh, oh. the Hawkeyes like right here, yeah, right on the front of amateur wrestling news, 1980. Yeah, and I've you know I've had conversations with Iowa State fans and you and I fans about you know like hey like why like why does it seem like you cover Iowa a little bit more every year? And it's because like sometimes we have to make business decisions, and you go where you know will get clicks. You pour more time and energy into resources that you know will get you you know more engaged time that makes my bosses happier, so that I'm able to go do a few more things. Um, you know, there are some obvious decisions that I have to make, like, you know, Iowa state and you and I wrestled on the same night as Iowa, Michigan. I was in Cedar falls that night because that's, you know, two in-state schools. I had to be there, but you know, I do my best to try to get to every single home duel so long as the schedule works out for all three programs. But sometimes we got to make tough decisions and I don't like having to make tough decisions because I would like to cover all three equally, but I mean, that's just not what happens, you know? And I tell Iowa State and you and I fans all the time, I'm like, yo, if you guys read more, I will be able to do more. Click I more, need you guys, buy more. I need <laughs> you guys to read more, right? And I would love to write about all three programs equally, um, but that's just, it's not the case. And so I, you know, I imagine through that lens, like, I get it, you know, Oklahoma State is is the brand down in Oklahoma. And when Oklahoma wins, people are interested. You know, like I think there were a lot of people that were interested in Iowa State in December when they took Penn State to the brink, when they bumped their lineup, um, you know, and beat Cornell, who turned out to be the third best team in the country this year, tournament wise. Um, you know, when Iowa State and you and I, Russell, you know, or, you know, I think it was a, a couple of years ago, they both went down to Oklahoma and swept both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like those stories were widely read because 
you know, like when's the last time that happened? You know, I had to look that up before I wrote the story. So <laughs> it was, you know, it was, it, I get it, you know, so in the same way that it's probably a little bit tougher for Iowa state and you and I compared to Iowa. Yeah. You know, OU compared to Oklahoma state, it's probably a little bit tougher, but you know, it's just, I don't know, Oklahoma state or Oklahoma seems like one of those programs that just wrestling's a lot more fun when they're good. Um, similar to like Iowa state, Agreed. Right? like wrestling, wrestling's just a lot. It's a lot more fun of a sport when that program specifically is good. And there's a lot of programs like that. And I think, OU falls into that category. So, um, this is me outwardly wishing the best for coach Kish to, uh, to turn, turn it around in Norman, no matter how long it takes. I hope OU administration gives him however much time he needs. I hope he does it quickly. Um, but we're also, we're, you know, we're smarter than that to think he's going to be able to flip this thing overnight. Yeah, and that that opened the door for Obi Blanc at North Dakota State. He'd been an assistant there for for four years. Now, here's what I wondered the first thing: one, Obi's been ready to be a head coach, and now that he's got that opportunity, I really, really uh, think he's just he's just a go getter type, type of guy. Uh, but Obi's from Naples, Florida. He's of Haitian descent and from Naples. The guy has been a warm weather guy. I mean, he the coldest he was before this. We went to Lock Haven, and then you know, then finished up at Oklahoma State, and then you know, has been coaching a couple. Like, but dude, you're putting roots, and I'm saying roots for a reason. You're putting roots down in Fargo, where again, I, you know, Obi's Obi's hard nosed because he's willingly staying in Fargo. Um, he's also got a got an assistant hire coming this week that I think people are going to love. Um, I'm at the at the request of that individual. I'm not dropping it here. But uh, it, it's going to be a good one, and I think uh, it's 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 going to be like okay, it's going to be a bit of a splash to to see what's going to happen and a bit of a youth movement there. But you uh, you know, um, Obi's going to be a really good head coach, and it, the key is is how many of his guys is he going to be able to get to stay? Uh, obviously, you know, there's there's the problem. That's the good problem to have, I guess, if you're an athlete. It's like okay. Which coach did you connect with? I mean, like if Obi's going to connect with those recruits, boom, there you go. Okay, and then you know Rogers the boss, but you know I think Obi also solved a bit of an issue for the administration to try to hire somebody in short term and not lose their entire team. Not hit and you know, with the coaching hire, you've got time for the portal to hit. But I think Obi's going to be a good good coach there. He's he's just a real student of the sport, uh, very personable guy. Um, been super friendly, can can go into a living room and really, really connect with parents. Uh, young guy's been on the world level, been on a world team. Uh, one year he was our highest place winner at the world championships. Granted, those were uh, some bleak years, but he was winning the match in the quarters. He was, you know, this close to, you know, being in a medal match in wrestling uh, for a medal back uh, in, I want to say, 2011. But uh, a guy that can constantly evolve and learn because he wasn't a freestyler coming up and then he ended up making, making world teams. So, uh, and he's also a guy that was in programs that had to, he knows he's, he was at Oklahoma state, but he was also at Lockhaven and he's been in the power five. And so he knows the game in terms of resources, recruiting, and then, you know, what it's like to, to have to fight a little bit harder than, than when you have a lot of, uh, a lot of resources at your disposal, where you're expecting people to come to you. He's a worker and he's going to work hard to keep kids in Fargo and get kids in Fargo. Cause again, you got to be wired a little differently to want to go to school in Fargo. Probably got a new program or something coming. Moyer's beeping in on me, so I will. Uh, I'll have to get back to him on uh, how many college women's programs they are adding. Which, by the way, I actually made an incorrect statement to him the other day as we segue into the new program coming to Newberry College, a Division II uh, program, and that will be 
Factually, right now, it's 89 NCAA women's teams, four in Division One, 31 in Division Two, now 54 in Division Three. since Lyon College in Arkansas is reclassifying from the NAIA to Division Three. 43 in the NAIA and 26 junior colleges. So there's your women's program update with corrected numbers because uh, I spent time with Lori Ayers the other night um, texting him like, hey, numbers on the site don't match with what we had. And it's like, all right, now we're matching up. Now we're good. Well, that leads me to a question. Okay. Um, and this is a question that I have been, people have asked me, I have posed to other people, kind of curious to see what you think. Who's going to be the next D1 to pull the trigger? Why hasn't it been Arizona State yet? That's what I want to know. Uh, I want to say Oklahoma State. Why? Why not? I mean, John Smith talks about, you know, the growth of, you know, like coaching women's wrestling. Like, it's a big thing. Okay. Who's it? Like, it's got to be a program with money because if you don't act now, it's going to be Iowa that's going to run the shot because it's it's the one. It's It's got a lot, you know, from an educational standpoint, that's one thing where a lot of the young women coming out of high school, like they, they want to go into bigger programs because the educational options are bigger at those big, you know, big, big, you know, Big Ten schools got a lot more academic options than, say, uh, a school in middle of North Dakota. Uh, again, let's let's keep with the North Dakota theme, like you know, to compare that to a Jamestown or 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 out in in Montana at the University of Providence. So the options are going to be bigger at these state schools, and it's going to be an instant draw. And compared to the Presbyterians and Sacred Hearts and Lindenwood's making the transition, but it's those schools don't have as many academic options as an Iowa does. So it it would be a slam dunk for somebody to do it. I think right now the hindrance may be the travel. Who do we compete against? Because yeah, you know, look at where Arizona State is. There's not much women's wrestling around there. So, um, hey, Penn State, pull the trigger. Hey, Oklahoma State, <laughs> just, pull the trigger. Just do it. Hey, just no, hey, it. you know what? You know what? Why don't you take all of the joy from Iowa? Start women's wrestling, see what happens. Okay, <laughs> that could be interesting. But I mean, why not? Uh, well, you know what's I North Carolina. Coleman Scott, you got you got Marisol Nugent on your program down there. I mean, NC State, you want to get one over on the Tar Heels? You fire one up, Pat. So, I mean, you're you're going to be competing against a lot of Division two and Division three schools when you start it up anyway. So, losing to those type of schools is not really an enticement for a Division one to start because it's going to happen unless you're you know you hire Clarissa Chun and then hire an Olympic medalist like Tonya Verbeek on her staff. So, um, you know. The pick of the litters had a chance to come to Iowa already, and they're going to hit the ground running next year. And it's, you know, I think, you know, on paper, they've probably got to be the favorites. And, you know, for the National Collegiate Women's Championship side, because we have two divisions now, and the NAI, Southern Oregon, Gabby Wyrick did a great job. And, you know, is it Oregon State? Nate Angle, Women's Freestyle Coach of the Year out there at, at the Beaver Dam RTC. So, Oregon State, you've got an opportunity. And women's wrestling has been at Pacific since, like, it's one of the first three or four programs out there. So that's what I'm thinking. It's going to have to, I, it's Oregon state, Penn state, Oklahoma state, Arizona state, NC state or North Carolina. Give me one of those programs. I kind of figure so. that a place like Oregon state or a place like Arizona state, or for a while, the, you know, Wisconsin had a pretty strong women's RTC until they cut it. Um, Oklahoma state, just because of the history, like, but mostly, you know, like Oregon State, Arizona State, like programs that had strong women's presences in their RTCs, like I figured that like it makes so much sense to do it there, um, you know, and now I've heard various reasons for various different schools. Like, you know, I've heard that a, a sticking point for some schools might be the fact that women wrestle freestyle collegiately as opposed to folk style. So, 
there are ads or administrators who are that's just that's just that. weak sauce because i mean men's men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse have different rules you know men's hockey and women's hockey have some different rules like you know there's quarters in women's basketball there's there's halves in men's basketball you know that the style difference is okay you got you can do one man mechanics as an official granted you want to do three uh for for perfect world but i mean you've got two of i mean it's it's uh, their, their, their excuses are, you know, excuses are, are there for convenience. They're not there for actually any legitimate reason. Oh, well, we don't know. Well, if, if you're an AD, it doesn't know something about something in your job to learn versus, well, we don't know. You haven't researched it. Don't, don't, we know you're lying because you don't, I mean, it's just, if you don't want to add it, just say you don't want to add it. That's, it's that simple, but you know, a lot, you know, we're looking for eighties with spines these days. And those are, uh, those are kind of a dying breed. Another sticking point that I've heard is money. Like, what does it cost to launch it? Cheaper than starting it. a lacrosse program or cheaper than starting a women's ice hockey program or cheaper than starting any field sport or any sport that needs, you know, unless you've, you know, okay. Equipment is not expen is not cheap for those other sports. I mean, field hockey, not exactly a cheap sport to start. I mean, swimming, the pool upkeep alone. That's, that's one reason swimming's had, had some troubles is, the facility upgrades year to year to year to year to run those things. So wrestling is one of the absolute cheapest sports. That isn't just creating a sport out of something that already exists, like beach volleyball or indoor track and field. So, you know. and this is where, you know, a place like Oklahoma state makes a lot of sense. Cause they're about to get some pretty new upgrades for the men's program. Right. Um, what are you going to do with the old facilities? Why not hand the keys over to a women's program? Right. Like that, seems to make sense to me i know that's very surface level and there's probably a lot of logistics under the surface that they're going to have to figure out but like why not you i know? agree i mean we're in a new era of uh, everybody thinking as much. this is where we should have gotten on the women's wrestling bandwagon 30 years ago on the college scene i think we'd have more men's programs um right now if we did if we weren't so re if we as a sport weren't so resistant to girls and women wrestling to begin with i mean we've had a world championships coming up on plus 30 plus years. So um, if we'd have gotten on the board, I, I said this, if we'd have gotten on board, like girl soccer did, uh, you know, there's, I mean, how many, I mean, my kids have got, I've done soccer. It's not like they're playing it, but they've practiced and, and play. I'm just like, really? I, it's, it's, it's wrestling is, is, is sport just like any other. I mean, just, it, it was, we missed the boat on that 30, 35 years ago and our resistance to make, keep this, oh, it's a boy sport. It's a men's sport. That's what's, really hurting because now we're having to fight that battle all over again whereas all the other women's sports they were there ready to go because oh yeah we can do that we can do that because okay yeah you boys and girls basketball great it's different you know i mean you know it's just you know it, it's so many ways we could have if we could go through a, a time machine and undo some things we we did as a sport that would be one of them it's not not the legislation that was the problem it was also us sitting there going no girls don't wrestle well, if if we'd have had our leaders in that era say yes, girls wrestle, we'd be way way ahead of where we are right now. Not having this conversation, be like, hey, I mean, what's the next? What's the fiftieth school that's going to add women's wrestling? Not the not the fifth. The uh, last reason I've heard is that there are a lot of ads and administrators who are just plain hesitant because they want to see what the support looks like for Iowa first the first D one power five. Now that's not very fair because you're looking at Iowa, a place that the men's program has led the nation in attendance each of the last, what, 16, 16 years now. Yeah. 
this is a state that has been ready for girls and women's wrestling for many years now. Like literally the first sanctioned girls state tournament this year, day one sold out extreme arena. Like, heck yeah, man. Yeah. That's like, not discovery Canyon high school. That's not Waverly right. shell rock high school. That's, that's a 5,000 seat arena. Yeah. 5,003 session one day, one of the girls state championships sold out. Um, that it helps that the national tournament for the, the, it's the NCWWC, but I keep calling it the NCA Women's National Championships, or at least the placeholder for that until it becomes official. Official, um, going to be in Cedar Rapids for the next couple of years. So when Iowa starts wrestling next year, going to be pretty easy for folks to just drive up the road and watch them compete. Um, like you said, they're probably going to be at the top of the heap with North Central, McKendry, all those other programs. Um, but my issue with ADs wanting to wait is because. Iowa fans are going to make the Iowa women's program and the wrestlers and the coaches look like rock stars. The ADs are going to fall so far behind. And by the time they actually get around to launching these programs, like you mentioned, Iowa is going to be so far ahead from some of these other power five programs that it's going to take them even longer to try and catch up to them, at least in theory, right? We don't, we don't know what it's actually going to look like. We can take guess and you know, we can guess because of how we've seen all these women wrestle at various age level tournaments at the U S open, you know, what we saw at last year's NCWWC national tournament. I mean, that North central squad is stacked, man. There's a lot of really good wrestlers in that program. Same for McKendry, well-established women's program. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, but like, you know, like it's, there is something to the idea about women wanting to go wrestle for the Iowa brand. The fact that they get to wrestle for Clarissa and Tanya Verbeek and Oh, by the way, Gary may Yeah. There. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Iowa's building this brand new wrestling facility that's going to be open next summer. That's only going to help recruiting even more. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's frustrating because I feel like for the last year or so people have asked me, I don't know about you, but they've asked me who's the next power five. And I'm like, I have no clue. Here's who I hope it is. Here's why I know it's going to take a while. And it's those three reasons primarily. And I don't like it, but uh, that third reason, if, if like if that's the reason, then why haven't you, oh well, we'll wait to see how Penn State does. We're waiting to see how Iowa does. Well, how, why doesn't that work on the men's side? Because if those if if Iowa's your your benchmark for women's wrestling, why haven't you looked at men's wrestling and started it then? Because that it's like yeah, you sell out your arenas. Oh well, yeah, we don't want that. We don't want to create that. No, we're gonna wait to see how that. Do- oh crap, we're late. You know right? Yeah. So that being said, I, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Interesting discussion. Shout out to Newberry, though. Um, you know, there's an Iowa high school kid, former Iowa high school kid, Andrew Reed from Southeast Polk. Shout out to Andrew Reed wrestling at Newberry. So excited to see that they're jumping on the women's wrestling train. Um, I think that was mostly it on my list. I know there was a couple other media musing things that we always have on our list. Do we want to get into those to close out today's show? Yeah, why not? Because I want to throw this one out there because it's making the rounds and it's from and it comes back to Carver Hawkeye. Let's take it back to 2012. We'll we'll stay with the theme here of this being an Iowa centric uh, media experience for those uh, for those watching and listening. 2012 Olympic trials were at Carver Hawkeye and Zeb Miller, who of go high casts. And he, he was one of the early, early, um, camera gophers for flow. And, you know, I don't want to say that sounds kind of negative, but Zeb was one of the early guys that was traveling around to tournaments and doing interviews. And, and, you know, Zeb's a great dude. Um, he's been, he wrestled at Kent state, just he's a great mind. And, you know, he had some of the, the, the best calls in early flow, like the, 
like a J- it's a junior high move when Matt Cathell rolled him with like was a whatever it was, it was just like a wrist roll and just pinned pinned him uh, pinned a kid and uh, the I think it was the Ohio State dual meet or something like that or he went nuts when Drew Lashaway beat Jay Jaggers or uh, I think that was those were the errors. but Zeb has been a guy that's never been afraid to ask a, a direct question. And the question was the clip has been circling around on social media again. And it was him asking Steve is like, is this the last we've seen of Steve Mako and Mako just turns and looks, he goes, I didn't leave my effing shoes on the mat. Did I, or something along those? And that was, that was just like, it personified Zeb Miller asking questions to, he doesn't care. I mean, he, you know, he gives no, you know, beeps when it comes to, to asking a tough question or just asking a very direct question. He's not, He's not. He's not sitting in the press go press conference going talk about you know leading with a talk about type of thing. So not saying anybody that does that is is, is negative because I've done it before. But that was one of my favorite quotes, and uh, it, it reminded me of you know we get to interview people and we get great quotes. Some of them we put in the story. Some of them we have on film. Some of them go viral. And this was really. I mean that should have gone viral, and it kind of did. It's kind of redoing it again. But I just always remember my favorite quote while interviewing an athlete was. I tell this story today, by the way, uh, the, the key to this, uh, the, the person in this quote, Eric Grahalis, just got inducted in the Florida uh, Hall of Fame. So congrats Shout to Shout out Eric. Brandon High School. Yep, Brandon High School, the streak. Um, you know, pretty good. Russ Cozart, done a pretty good job down there. And he was so. he had just beaten Dante Butler in, I think it was the Greco Finals. And Dante Butler. Missouri. Yeah, and, and, you know, Dante was a five-time runner-up in Fargo. Six-time placer, five-time second, never won it. And I'm interviewing, I, I was with, I was with Intermat at the time and I got my little horrible recorder and I'm interviewing Eric and, and this is, I think it was a cadets and Dante cuts in between us, like in cuts through the interview is like you ain't shit, man. That's all I'm saying. Or something like that. He was, you know, a little edge to him. <laughs> Eric, just like in the middle of the interview goes, dude, I just fived you. And then continues on with the interview. And I'm like, that was the greatest quip response that I've I had had in my young career at that point. So, oh, that's uh, amazing. What do you got that comes to mind when it comes to uh, quick quip? And Tom Brands cannot count because he is a soundbite <laughs> machine, unless it's in like the heat of the moment. Maybe like you know, like training for Robles. Well, you can't saw a guy's leg off or something. I think he said that in an interview once. But, uh, but I yeah, mean, those one of my. F- Quick One of my ones. favorite Tom Brands quotes. I know he can't count, but like, well, okay, um, uh, he can count because it's it's an Iowa show. Why can't we not count Tom Brands, right? Uh, I because I, I, I have another one that comes to mind, but I, I love telling this story. So, 1920 season, um, before COVID came and just ravaged, um, whatever. 2019, 2020, not the 1920 season. I'm old, but I'm <laughs> not that old, and Tom's not <laughs> that old the- either. Thanks for the clarification. Um, Here to help. Yeah, so it's the week of the Iowa-Penn State duel. And, you know, there's the seating capacity at Carver, I want to say, is like 14,905 for wrestling. Um, But we all know that there's every bit of 16,000, 17,000 people in there for the right duel. And so I asked Tom that week at our weekly media availability, do you think the fire marshal will let 16,000 in? And he's just, I haven't heard that. Is that that what the attendance is saying? Is that what, you know, is it? you know, asking around to nobody in particular, like what the attendance numbers might be or what the ticket sales are. And then just off the cuff goes into a um, endorsement of Canbus, which is the University of Iowa, like student transit system. Um, just the most efficient organization on the planet. He makes a reference to the miracle on 34th street. 
um, the original one, which is like one of his favorite movies. They said the post office was the most efficient organization on the planet. And he goes, that's hogwash. Canvas is the most efficient organization. And he's like, and Kirk Ferentz said so. And then he pounds his fist on the table. By God, I believe in Kirk Ferentz. Just a question about attendance turns into a rousing endorsement for Canvas. And it was the most magnificent. It was amazing. And I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously that was not before the South Dakota game this year. So that was not before the South Dakota South State game. Excuse me. Sorry. Hit oh, below the belt there, Hawk fan. Sorry about that. I do love college football. So uh, this is not a really, college football show. So I can I can throw shade when it comes to college football. If you really want to throw shade, you you'll tell Iowa fans that if Tucker Craft didn't get hurt that day, the Jacks probably beat Iowa. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so. They did just Another, have to sit through a bunch of North Dakota State chatter, though, too. So there's also that. Um, dude, speaking of South Dakota State, Jack Thompson announced today, um, Thursday, that Jack Thompson, Iowa State champion from Union of LaPorte City near Cedar Falls, actually announced today that he's transferring to Northern Iowa. So a uh, little bit of transfer news there. He announced that on his Instagram. Um, 5765 guys should be a plug and play immediate contributor for the Panthers. Excited that he's going to come back home because he was always really fun to watch. Older brother Max was an All American for the Panthers. Okay. Well, so. That, okay. Thompson without the P. Gotcha. That one, that there crew. You know. All right. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was like, wait, Laporte. Yeah. I know that. Okay. So you're, you're, you got anyway. your, your brand's quote. So you're, your other one. Um, same 2012 Olympic trials. I was a freshman at Iowa. I was riding for the, uh, the Daily Iowa in the student newspaper, the award winning student newspaper there in it's Iowa good. City. And I was, do you remember the Joe Warren quote? You don't know who Joe Warren, do you? I'm the baddest motherfucker yeah. on the planet. Um, so my dumb ass asked that question. I don't even know what the question was, but he had just won his first match. And I was fumbling through a question because I was 19 and I didn't know how to ask questions at that point in time. I still sometimes don't. Um, but that is that is what I, I don't remember the question I asked, but I remember his answer clear as day because he looked me dead in the camera and said, you don't know Joe Warren, do you? I'm the baddest mother on the planet. I've got a beat for you. I'm ready for that one. <laughs> and I'm just like 19, first big assignment of my journalism career. I didn't sleep the night before because I'm also still like in like rust, like, you know, I'm a huge wrestling fan and I'm just like, oh. Dude, you're okay. a freshman in college. That is the wrestling fan had nothing to do with why you were not sleeping. Okay, I've been to Main Street. I know the deal. <laughs> I do. I did. I wasn't even going out drinking that night. I was only 19. Liar. So. <laughs> oh yeah, like that stopped anybody before in college. Uh, but yeah, like that was that that I was just like, oh okay. And then thankfully there were like other professionals around me. Like I'm pretty sure Zeb was probably there. Bader was probably there. And somebody asked a. a an actual question as opposed to whatever the heck I said um, <laughs> and got the, and had a good, you know, we ended up having a pretty good interview, but Joe Warren was super animated. Um, and that was just kind of like, Oh, okay. talk about why you're, you're the baddest mother on the planet. You know, there you go. That's a good there one. Go. I'm, I'm going to finally get to use the censored beep in one of my shows. Thankfully. There you go. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind. Like obviously when you, when you cover Tom Brands and, and Kevin Dresser and Doug Schwab, there was one time, so not a football podcast, but, uh, so when the chiefs won the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, the first time where they had to come back, trying to think divisional round, they beat the Houston Texans. They were down like 24 zero in the first quarter and came back to take the lead 28, 24 by halftime. Um, I was very unprofessional that day because it was a Sunday and I could be casual or whatever. And so I wore a chief shirt that day while I was covering a UNI duel. 
And so after the duel, it was halftime and Doug Schwab looks down at my shirt, sees that it's a chief shirt. And he's like, Hey, are they playing? How are they doing? And I was like, well, they just rallied from down 24 zero to take the 28, 24 lead at halftime. And he goes, no bleep. And then just start like, we spent the first minute of the post game interview, post duel interview talking about the chiefs game. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, man, like Pat's that dude. Like that's, you know, and then, you know, three weeks later they end up going to win the super bowl. So that was, that was a fun time. That was really cool. Always like when those, the, the, the wrestling interview, just, we end up talking about something else. It's like, I remember like hall of fame weekend last year. I remember talking to kale about that sneakers or, um, other time, uh, I sent him a, I sent him a case of, uh, I actually sent him a case of those hostess fruit pies because the gag was, you know, he's notoriously tough to get interviews with just, you know, if you're not Penn state media right there. Um, so I was like, Hey, you know, we were texting one about something unrelated and I was like, well, hi, how about next time I need to get an interview with you? I'll say, I'll give you a fruit pie. He goes deal. So before the start of the season, one year, I, I, I sent him a case of hostess fruit pie, no return address on it. And, you know, so I get a, I get a, a text message from Kale with a picture of this box delivered to hostess fruit pies. He goes, you wouldn't know anything about this, would you? So, uh, I do, I do think Kale did come on the show that year. So I'm not quite sure he still needs to make do. He's got about 23 more fruit pies to make up for. So the oh, things we fun. do to bribe our way to quote, sometimes fruit pies didn't expect that one. Maybe I'll get a good juicy sound. But he did. He did have a good sound bite that, uh, well, we'll talk about it another time, uh, about, uh, on short time back in the day. But, uh, lastly, you've got something and we're, we're talking more media matters here as we, we wrap up. I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious what you think about this. I've, I've started to notice this recently that flow wrestling, um, posting a lot more native video and they're doing a lot of different things, right? They're doing full matches, full highlights of matches, full scoring sequences of matches or multiple matches, or, you know, like I think the most recent one that I just so happened to glance on was, you know, they showed all of Thomas Gilman's points from the Pan American championships. Um, you know, cause I think he blanked everybody in route to gold. Uh, but another thing that they're doing, um, and this is, you know, you and I being media nerds notice things that maybe other people don't notice is one of the things that flow wrestling starting to do when they post native video is I, I call them CP essays, like Christian piles, basically just kind of opining or talking about various happenings in the wrestling world. Like I think recently he, you know, two part video thing of what Penn state's lineup might look like, um, you know, he gave a lot of detail about the whole Cody Chittum thing. When that went down, he actually cited my story in that one. And I really appreciate that. Um, you know, he did um, a little bit of a longer essay on Spencer Lee after he, um, you know, defaulted out of the semifinals at the U.S. Open. Just it's just something different that they're doing. And I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, I have found myself, you know, when it came to the Chittum and the Spencer Lee thing, I stopped and I watched him. You know, I stopped scrolling and I watched him. Um, haven't watched the, uh, you know, Penn state ones yet. Um, you know, it's like a combination of like, here's a little bit more context slash here's maybe an opinion you haven't considered, or maybe here's my opinion, or here's kind of the full story, um, type video essays. Um, I don't, I, have you seen them? Do you, how do you, what do you, what do you make of these? It's, it's just an interesting development, right? Uh, I think some of them are callbacks a little bit. So obviously, FRL. I think part of it is because they don't have the three FRLs during the off season. So they have two during, they usually do three. I think, what is it? Monday, Wednesday, Thursday is what their typical schedule is. Uh, and then there's also the Bader show, which is uh, a show that Mark Bader does. I've 
aptly named, uh, where he interviews people and such. Kyle sometimes jumps on with him, but I think it's because you know that's that's a, one of the usually an FRL type of talking point, or it's something that's come up on one of their their discussions that comes into a, uh, it breaks off in something else. I think maybe that's the process. Is okay. Well, we didn't have a chance to really go into detail on this, and I didn't have a chance to. Uh, you know, force my opinion down on Ben and JD much more. But uh, but back before FRL started, um, Christian did this thing called preaching with CP, where he kind of did this. This is when he was still living in Virginia. He had the black curtain around, and it was like almost this like soliloquy of of giving again his perspective. So I think it's a little bit of a callback to that, and it's also a, a supplement more to you know CP's been a forward facing face of. Uh, the show and the brand for for a couple of years, if if not more, it's a lot longer than that. It's it's almost seems like geez, it's been he's been there a while now. So you know, there's that op- opportunity. It's like okay, here's me not being interrupted by Ben and JD or Shane to give a piece. Or uh, and then what I've also think I've noticed with the and I'm not saying this idea is from anybody else, but looking at how their graphics are, like who can stop Gilman? I'm scrolling through cause I've got a, a feed of their, their YouTube channel in my discord. So I get this, I get the updates pretty quickly and I put some of them in my newsletter, but it's like in the graphics, like, you know, who goes where? And of course the Penn state thing is funny. I think because of, again, the, the quip, the kale quip, like you got a plan or something, you know, um, that one that, that CP was, was famously, uh, you know, kind of talked back from with kale on. So I think a little bit is again, the lack of the third FRL show, um, it's a callback to to CP being able to get his viewpoint out uninterrupted, and then the other videos, they and I and I don't mean this. This is not a negative thing, but they do look a lot like what Fancode did with how the graphics look good before uh, before Josiah would go on. Like here are the top five, you know, or, or a list or something exciting. It's a cool, catchy looking graphic, and no. Fanco did not invent graphics on the internet. We've been through that before, but it's also a thing that it works. This, this, this catchy graphic works and it's a clip and it's a highlight. And I think it's aimed at catching the drive by wrestling fan uh, because CP or me or you doing a, a, a rant about something. If it's not 10 seconds, a clip or a story or something, it's not going to draw you in or Facebook reel or something like that, or Instagram reel, whatnot. But I think those little videos are getting people to suck in. Like, oh, I'm looking at this. And then you, you you stay for the long form stuff and long form. Even this is maybe six minutes or something. So I like it because what it does is it gives people another reason to come in. Cause you're going to hook uh, Fanco got a ton of subscribers and he had a ton of subscribers before I even knew who he was. So I'm like, well, who are all these people watching wrestling that, don't know my show. You know, it's not like I can be in this bubble. Like well, who doesn't know Matt talk, but they there's twice as many, three, four, five, ten times as many people are watching Fanco. So what, what Josiah did really well with Fanco is catching people with graphics and simple stories and storylines. I think where CP is, has the, I'm not saying CP's doing this because of Fanco for his part. There's two different moving parts here, but to take the soliloquy, the, the, as, as you say, the, um, the, what did you call it? The CP what? The CP essay, the essay, yeah, to take the the audio essay, the personal essay, the you know, I like soliloquy actually a little better, <laughs> but uh, to take that out there and then give you a fuller talking point, I like it. Whether or not I agree with him or not, and whether or not him and I or me and you for specifically, I don't think we're the target market for that type of content because we've already we've got our own opinions and you know we'll we'll, we'll seek out content. I mean, I don't think 
it's geared for the junkie junkie. It's geared for his stuff. Yeah, a little bit more for that. I want a little, a little bit more, but I think the highlight and the graphics, the the quick hits on lineup things, that's for the drive-by wrestling fan to get him interested. So I think it's a smart play. Uh, it goes to what seems to work. They've got a lot of people that work on social media and, and analytics and stuff there. So they, they clearly know what works in a lot of ways. And, you know, the essays are, are a part of that. But I do think the, the catchier graphics, the quick hits, the 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 highlight reel type of stuff is good for us. I think it's good for Flow Sports. I think it's good to get people in because it's not like, okay, we've done that once. We've got them. No, because every four years, you're losing your high school fan base, and you have to grow them back more. I, I saw this with premium service when I was at Intermat. Every year, I'd lose X amount of people because all those people graduated. Then I'd have to replace them. So I was there for about a three-and-a-half-year cycle. So I had a lot of turnover with the premium service. So you got to keep your fans coming back. It's not like, okay, you know, and you know, if you don't ring that bell, like they say in all the YouTube videos, you're not going to get them all. So you got to entice them to come back for more and then keep them for more than the four year so i like them i like them yeah i i i think that you know i i haven't watched them all um but i do i've enjoyed just the different type of you know social strategies i guess because like social media like I, it's it's you know i tend to do most of my social media engagement on twitter mm-hmm. um so that's obviously where i spend the bulk of my time and so when i see different things like that or, or people trying different things like it's just something i tend to notice um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think it, I think it could be a good thing. You know, I haven't really seen a lot of negative reaction to it. I've never really thought anything negative about it. It's just something different that I've noticed and something that's kind of intrigued me. And, um, you know, I think one of the fun parts about doing a podcast with you is that, you know, you're a seasoned media guy. I'm kind of a younger media age type of guy. We got different perspectives here. So just curious to kind of see what you thought and and maybe, you know, as I see more of it or, you know, some other things that we see in wrestling media, social media, actual media, content creation, that sort of thing. Be kind of fun to just bounce things off of each other. So yeah, I I, th- I thought it was interesting. Um, it looks like it's something that they're going to continue at least probably through, you know, the spring and summer months. I wonder how much it'll just be a part of their social plan moving forward or if they'll pivot to something else once we... It could know, just be closer. spaghetti and throwing it at the wall and see if it hits. I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows how many different things I've tried over my, you know, I don't know how many, what is 20, I don't even know. Jeez, I'm, every time I think about this, I'm getting old. By the way, happy birthday again, Jagger, because he's going to say I was 12. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I just think about all the things I've tried over the years, and some work, some haven't, you know. I mean, we've had almost 30 different podcasts come and go on just this network alone. So, you know, some things are not always going to be permanent, you know, like, uh, you know, Flow is a good example of that with, like, remember Technique Wave? I mean, that was the thing. And then now it's not. And then big uh, big live duels was a thing before they even had all these live contracts. And now it's a, the biggest part of their thing. It's not campus tours anymore like it used to be. They still do that, but you know they'll they'll bring them back. They'll they'll go to they'll go here and they'll have a, a series. And you know these documentaries are doing. I mean, there's it's 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 evolving. It's not like you have to do this one thing the whole way. I mean, I've struggled with that with short time. For example, it started out as a as a five minute update show, and then the season ended. Like, well, crap. What do I do now? Well, pivot to interviews, and then sometimes you got to take a little break. I've tried. Uh, I've tried the the audio essay. I've tried that type of uh, the the rant at the beginning, the rant at the end. You don't know what works until you try it, and that's the one thing we have in in the, this media age. It's not like we take up print space with let's try this, and now you're taking twelve to fifteen inches out of a space that could have been gone to a feature story versus you know some editor's opinion or some you know some 
some beat writer, you know, opinion on something that, you know, about, you know, self-checkout at the Target. You know, who knows? So uh, I, I like... I like throwing spaghetti to the wall and seeing what works because it gives you different looks. And if anything, it also may inspire somebody else to come up with a concept. And it's like, you know what? I like that. I'm going to do it a little differently. And then that takes off for somebody else. I mean, it's like, what was it? Good coaches, coach, great coaches, steal. You know? So you, you can, you can be inspired by an idea kind of like, you know, call back to the whole graphics on the internet thing. You can be inspired by someone else's concept, but it, you know, you don't really know if it works until you try it. So Kudos to trying something. Maybe it's a callback. Maybe it's something new. Maybe it's like, all right, we just need some extra content or, you know, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't have a, a direct line of communication with those guys uh, frequently. Um, I do talk to them fairly regularly, but it's not, you know, I'm not digging into their, their, Hey, well, well, why are you doing this? So that's for us to talk about and discuss. And maybe, maybe they'll respond to it. Maybe they're like, Hey, yeah, here's why we're doing it. That'd be cool. But you know, I, I like the the cool graphics. Like I'm looking at this picture right now. Who should cut, bump, and sit with Tom Ryan? And it's a pretty, it's a good looking graphic, and it makes me want to click on that. So it's eye catching. It's it's again, that's the type of stuff me as the wrestling junkie will click on as a drive by. I'll be the, the drive by stuff, the YouTube shorts and things like that. UWW does a great job with. I mean, I've got stuff that's in Cyrillic. They've got like the, you know people uh, in in Ukraine and in all the uh, the country. You know, there's maybe some athletes from Russia or. Or, you know, Croatia and Serbia and stuff with they'll, I don't know, kind of do takeovers and whatnot. Not like Instagram takeovers, but there's like practice footage. And I'm like, oh, that's quick. And it's boom, there's 30,000 views on it. So, you know, it's not it's not a new concept. It's just trying to see what content within those concepts that work. So go yeah, for it. I had, an, I had an English teacher when I was in college tell me, you know, write the story that you want to read. And in the same vein, create the content that you want to watch and consume. So, um, you know. The idea of throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks and seeing if it works and tweaking it from there, or maybe you like it and you then want to go from there to try something else. Um, all for it. All for it. Just one of those, you know, now that we're kind of into the slower part of the wrestling calendar, one of the things I noticed and was just kind of curious what you thought, because I know I brought it up the last couple of weeks and we just haven't been able to get it on the show yet. <laughs> well, we're, we're all we're all in a situation where we we put ourselves out there. I mean, you, you put yourself out there with you know, just working in a newspaper and then the mailbags and interacting with people and then uh, video shows. It's not like we're doing or, you know, we got the live show right now, so we could get a, a comment right away that this, this calls it that say we suck. Uh, you know, it's something like that. You know, putting yourself out there, you know, you put yourself at, you know, you're, you're vulnerable. And, you know, <laughs> some people like CP, some people don't like CP, some people like me, they don't like, you know, they do, they don't. They, I mean, we all have our fans and our, and our, and our, uh, our critics. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things like you just move forward with what you, what you, like you said, the story you want to read, here's the video I want to, here's the opinion I want to say, and here's how I want to do it. And so why not do it? So, you know, throw it to the wall, see if it sticks. I love that. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's all I got on my list. You got anything else before we sign out of here? Uh, yeah, I actually was going to bring this up because I have, again, the historical archive dungeon that is in here. I figured, you know what, my random feature that I'm probably going to not stick with very long is I'm going to grab an, a, a random amateur wrestling news. And since this is a Des Moines Register-based show, I'm going to go as far as I can to get to the first Iowa reference, whether it be Iowa, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, or in some cases, uh, Iowa State Teachers College, uh, Cornell College, based on what year the amateur wrestling news is. But uh, this one was a pile of old amateur wrestling news is that Andy Saris, the old coach at Sacred Heart and former Greco, uh, you know, U.S. beast back in the uh, the 80s and 90s, uh, sent me as he was moving 
And this one's from January 14th, 1980. So it took me zero time to get to the first reference because this is a story by Rob Sherrill. Hey. It's all Iowa in Midlands. So the front is, the, you know, and it's got the pole. And then there's a story uh, about, let's see, Randy Lewis. Let's see, you know, hit by the loss of two starters, Frazino and Deanna, and a dual meet to Cal, dual meet loss to Cal Poly. The University of Iowa lost their number one ranking to Oklahoma State in December 24th ratings, but on the basis of their domination, the Midlands, in which Randy Lewis and Ed Bannock won individual titles, they returned to the top. So, front page amateur wrestling news, there's two Iowa references. And then, uh, like, you know, there's, you know, Jess Hoke, <laughs> actually still alive at this point, you know, and, and his, uh, his son John just got our award, which you talked about last time. But there's, you know, I'm going to randomly pull in amateur wrestling news and see how quickly we can get to a state of Iowa reference for your readership. And right now it's all Iowa Midlands in January, 1980 right away. So I like that little blast like of the that. past. Cause that's, I mean, I was born, but I, I definitely wasn't reading and I definitely didn't know what wrestling was till about 15 years after that. Yikes. 1980 was before my parents were even married. Yeah. You, you'd mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in the seventies. So I am older than Alexander Kikinov. Again, he's in much better shape than I am. I think that's uh, I think that's where we wrap here, Cody. Is uh, old jokes in the 1980 amateur wrestling news. Oh, that's awesome! Great show again today, JB. That's all we got today, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, probably be back sometime next week, early to mid next week. Maybe wrap the world team trials and talk about some other things. Whatever, whatever makes our list of things that we're interested in. Given on during that given week, I suppose. Um, until then, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to the Des Moines Register. I want to make sure you guys don't miss any of our wrestling coverage at any point in the wrestling calendar. Make sure to tap into Matt Talk Online. JB, what else do you got cooking that people should be paying attention to or following along for? Well, uh, we are two weeks away from Honors Weekend, and I am working diligently to try to get the first episode of the Gray Simons podcast done and released by then. So I did uh, another interview this morning. I actually talked to Wade Chalice for a bit this morning. But an interesting side note about how Wade Chalice almost went to Lockhaven and how that potentially disrupted the path of wrestling in the late sixties and early seventies. So little side note that I didn't know, cause I talked to coach Simon's wife yesterday uh, as part of this, this series, I think I've done 10, 11 interviews about this series so far. So there's some cool stuff that I'm unearthing with this. I'm looking to have episode one out there for the national wrestling hall of fames etched in stone series in the next two to three weeks, hopefully by honors weekend. But that's uh, that's what I'm working on right now. It's been a year in the making and uh, I better get one of these things out because I interviewed Gray for this thing last June. So, uh, yeah, she'll be coming around the mountain when this show finally ends. Dad jokes, bad jokes, whatever. That's all I got. <laughs> you can find links to connect with JB, me, as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys, and for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon.